In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. This is the first Sunday of Lent. We have six Sundays in Lent, including Palm Sunday, uh, which started on Ash Wednesday, and so uh, the 40 days that we count are not including Sundays. Uh, Typically, Sundays are a feast day in the church. Uh, They are little Easter's, and so uh, we don't keep the same level of uh, fasting and, and, um, and restrictions that we do on Sundays. But we are counting 40 days from Ash Wednesday until Holy Saturday. And our focus during that time is self-examination. We're looking at ourselves and we're practicing the discipline of fasting, of almsgiving, of prayer, and of reading scripture. And so to go back to the need for self-examination and why it is uh, that we're doing this work, uh, we go uh, to the very beginning. We go to Genesis and we see uh, Adam and Eve placed into the garden. The first thing that we need to remember and that we need to focus on is uh, what we are and what God's purpose is for us. The first thing we need to know and to recognize is we're creatures. We're created. Sometimes people forget this. We forget that we're uh, creatures and we start to talk about ourselves as being children of God. We, be, we can become sons of God uh, when we're adopted by grace, but we begin as creatures. And our purpose is to dwell with God in paradise. That is God's purpose. He made the paradise and he placed mankind in that paradise in order to walk with them and to dwell with them in the garden. This is the purpose of mankind, to be in relationship and dwelling in paradise with God. And uh, he will do everything in his power to bring us back into relationship with him and to dwell with him in paradise. How is it? that they left paradise. They left paradise uh, because once they were put into that garden, the Lord gives them uh, a law to obey. The law begins right here in the Garden of Eden, and he says, uh, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the life is placed in the garden, and they eat of that, and it brings eternal life, and we are going to eat of the tree of life this morning. We're going to eat of the fruit of the cross, which is the tree of life. The fruit of the cross is the the blood and the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will eat of that today, and we will participate with Christ and his eternal life through that. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a different thing, and sometimes it can be hard for us to understand. St. John of Damascus said that eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil gives us uh, the ability to discern uh, multidimensional vision. Multidimensional vision. That's a great phrase, isn't it? What does he mean by that? He means that when we have that knowledge of good and evil, we can see outside of ourselves. We can see things from a different perspective. You know, as children, we only see things from our own perspective, right? Everything is from uh, our perspective. And sometimes as we grow, we realize, oh, things are bigger or smaller than we thought. and People's motives are different than what we thought. But as children or as naive people, we think that everybody sees us and the world the way that we do. And as we grow and mature, sometimes we realize, oh, people don't see me the way I see myself. This can be a benefit to us if we're wise. If we're wise and we are participating in the Lord in his, in his humility, we can use that power of discernment uh, for personal sacrifice and, and loving and in a giving way. That is, we can see other people from their perspective, see what it is that they're going through so that we can have compassion on them, so that we can uh, serve them. 
Some people who are not acting by righteousness use this power of the knowledge of good and evil in order to seduce, in order to manipulate, in order to bind and to lie. And so we've seen that by dictators and and people who are masters of psychology and manipulation throughout the centuries who can use this power to get people to do incredibly uh, evil things. And so if we're participating in the righteousness of God, it can be a good tool for compassion. Um, but if not, it is a tool for incredible destruction and evil. And so they eat of the tree of the garden uh, of good and evil. And so they begin to participate in that destruction and that seduction. And uh, Satan is there to tell them lies. Now, sometimes people give Satan way too much credit, you know, Uh, especially if you watch horror movies. They try to make demons and Satan into very powerful uh, creatures. They are not. Uh, Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He has none of the powers of God. Uh, All that we need is the name of Jesus to secure ourselves and to say we are walking with the Lord in order to protect ourselves. Uh, The danger is in listening to him and his lies. If Satan could have killed Adam and Eve, he would have. Make no mistake. If it was in his power to kill them or to harm them, he would have done that. The only thing he had in his power was to tell them lies. And then their choice was either to believe those lies or not. The simple lie that he told is, you don't have to listen to what the Lord said to you. That's it. He said, oh no, that won't kill you. You won't die. When in fact, disobedience from God is death. If we're obedient to God, we're in life with him because he is life. He doesn't have life. He doesn't give us life. He is life. So if we're in obedience with him, we're in life. If we are disobedient to him, we've chosen death. It's as simple as that. Satan tried to make it complex. It's really not complex at all. And they were believing his lie. And we participate in that first act of sin every time we to choose to be disobedient to God. This is the original sin. And we participate in it over and over again in our disobedience, in our turning away from life into sin. Jesus, of course, comes to reverse this. He comes to destroy sin and death. And he does this by obedience to the Father. And he has temptation in three ways. Sometimes when people talk about temptation, they only want to talk about lust, right? Like this is the only temptation in the world. It's not. There's many others. Satan focuses on the three big ones. We see lust, we see fame, and we see power. These are the three things that people really desire. So the first one, lust, is bread, right? Anything that we can do to make our bodies feel comfortable. We live in a society where the comfort of the body is the highest good, right? If we can bring comfort to the body, all things are good. And Jesus says, no, comfort comes from the word of God. That is where our bodies are secure. That's where our souls are laid to rest. That is where we will find comfort. We'll find it in the word of God. And so that's why we need to be so diligent about reading the word of God day in and day out so that we can get that comfort first thing in the morning from God. Because if we don't leave our homes with the comfort of the word of God, we are going to be susceptible to looking to other places. So we need to receive that comfort from the word of God first and foremost. And so what does Jesus say? He says, every word that comes from the the mouth of God is what we live by. And then the second temptation is where uh, Satan says, throw yourself down. 
Now, when I read this as a child, I used to read this and think, that's crazy. Why would, why would he do that? It's the temptation of fame to bring attention to ourselves. We all hunger for attention. And if you wonder at the temptation to throw yourself down to get attention, I invite you to visit any preschool in the world. Right? And what are you going to find? You're going to find human beings in their natural state hungering for attention. And what do they do to get it? Throw themselves down. And see, that hunger for attention to be recognized never leaves. It only grows. We want to be praised. We want to be pitied. We want to be comforted. We want people to notice us, to see things about us. right? We want people to be really interested in us and not to take uh, their eyes off of us. right? And so people find new ways as we get older. As preschoolers, all that we've got is to throw ourselves in the ground. But the older we get, the more sophisticated we get to get people to pay attention to us or to listen to us, to draw attention to ourselves. right? And we start to pick and choose ways that we're going to do that. The solution that Jesus has to that is prayer. Because when we're in prayer with God, we allow ourselves, we open ourselves to His notice and to His attention. And the great thing about God's attention is that He knows everything about us and He loves us more than anyone else. Isn't that amazing? He knows everything about us, and He loves us more than anyone else. So again, if we leave the house without prayer, without waiting on the Lord, and to receive His love and His attention, we're going to look for it in other places. We're going to get attention one way or the other. So we need to be getting it first thing from God. And then what other people think isn't going to be as, as big and meaningful. Then the third one, of course, is bald power, right? He says, here's the kingdoms of the world, they can be yours. And of course, greed comes along with this, because that's the purpose of money, right? Money is simply a tool for power. And so he says, I'm going to give you all the power of the world. And the antidote to this power is worship. We worship again every morning and evening and morning prayer and every day and evening prayer. And on Sundays, we worship to the Lord so that we can remember who has all the power and all of the money. Satan doesn't have it. Princes and kingdoms don't have it. God has all of the power. He has all of the money and resources. And if we are submitting ourselves to him, we will be able to participate in what amount of power that he wants us to participate in. And he tends to give it to people who use it well, right? He tells those parables over and over again, right? About those who are good stewards of what they're given. So the level of power and money that we have in our lives is determined by how good of a steward we are of what God gives us. Misuse it, it gets taken away. That is, if we're children of God. If we choose to get it by other means, we can get it. But it will prove our destruction as well as others. St. Paul summarizes all of this in Romans so beautifully. He says, Sin and its consequence, the result of sin, death, came into the world through Adam and his disobedience. Grace 
And its result, righteousness, comes into the world through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, we can choose our way, which is death, or we can choose God's way, which is righteousness. And he gives us everything that we need, all the power, all the wisdom, all the courage, all the energy, all the opportunity that we need to do what's right. It's called grace. It's a complete package for everything that we need to do what's right. And when we do that, we're justified. You see that piece of paper? Do you see how all of the words on the line start in the same place? See how that line is straight going down the page on the left-hand side? Do you see on the right-hand side, they're all crooked? They're all in a different place? So on the right-hand side, they're not justified. That's our life in sin. Everybody doing their own thing. On the left-hand side, we're aligned with God's will. That's justified. We're justified or made straight in line with God when we're obedient to his will, which is righteousness. And we can only accomplish by his power and strength, which is grace. In Lent, we've got the opportunity to hold those two things. Christianity is a paradox. Die so that you can live. Right? He destroyed death by death. That's a paradox. Two things that seem to be contradictory that are actually in agreement. And the church has gotten into trouble by either focusing all on sin and its consequences so that we've got to do everything right or all on God's love and compassion thinking that it doesn't matter what we do, he's going to save us anyways. Both are wrong. We have to examine ourselves and recognize how far we are from God in clarity so that we can receive the power of his love as an antidote to sin and death and live in righteousness and love. And if we focus one over the other, we won't have the love that can overcome the sin. We won't have the hunger and thirst for righteousness that will bring us into that participation in his love. So through this Lent, we're going to experience some pretty powerful, strong experiences. The depths of sin and the heights of love. We will experience them in ways that we could not have imagined. And if we're faithful, and if we keep our eyes upon the Lord, and we're diligent in listening to Him, and prayer and supplication and worship and the reading of Scripture, then we will come to Good Friday with a thanksgiving, a true thanksgiving for His sacrifice that we have never experienced before. May thanks for his sacrifice fill our hearts and minds this Lent as they never has before. Amen. Amen.